All right. Don't know if I've ever taught from down here. You're all a lot shorter. <laughs> Just like that. All right, let's open up the Bible to a couple places. 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6 and also 1 Timothy chapter 4. If you want to get both of those places. Tonight is part 2, if you want to call it that. In the uh, series we started last week, talking about the basics of biblical body care. Last week we delved into the dietary side of it and talked about uh, some of the basics behind that. And as I mentioned then, I'll tell you again now, this is not meant to be a science lesson. I'm not giving you, you know, uh, scientific inf information about nutrition and tonight we're going to talk about exercise. And there are a few things that I'll mention that go along with, uh, you know, things science has found out about food or exercise or stress or disease. But most of this we're going to stay very, very basic and just try to see what the Bible has to say about taking care of your body. So 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 19. 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. Paul says this, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? You do not own yourself. Someone else has bought you, yes? Someone else owns you now. So this body... This spirit that you have is on loan to you. You're taking care of it for someone else, which means you should really be mindful of how you treat it. Verse 20, For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, of course, in the passage, he's been talking about eating meat that might cause other people to stumble as far as the conscience is concerned. He's been especially talking about fornication and he's dealt with that. So when he mentions the body, I want you to know the context in which he's talking about that. He's not talking about exercise in chapter 6 here. But I do want you to see that God is interested in what you do with your body. He, he owns it, he purchased it, it is part of you, and I'm sure that he would appreciate you taking care of his temple in, uh, in, a, in a right way. So before we move on, let's go ahead and stop and have a word of prayer and ask God to help us as we continue further. Father, please help us tonight. I thank you for the encouragement of the, the singing and these folks that have come to be fed tonight, Lord, they've come to hear from you. Please speak to their hearts. Please teach us something tonight. Lord, uh, if it's just about the body, that's fine. Lord, if you can give us something about our soul, we'd appreciate it. Lord, we really desire to just spend time with you. We love to be around you and your people and your book. So, Father, would you please make this a special evening? And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, come to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 7. 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 7. All right, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 7. Now, before we read that, I, have you guys ever purchased something maybe at game or some other store, taking it home and it doesn't work, and then you've got to take it back, right? Uh, that, you'll probably find that out very soon with Christmas coming up. Everybody seems to pile into the department stores to return things, and that's how it goes. Uh, now, sometimes it is the product's fault, right? It is a faulty piece of equipment or whatever it is. Sometimes it's user error. Have you ever gotten something and tried to use it and it's not working and you get frustrated and angry and upset and irritated only to find out you're doing it wrong? 
You're holding it upside down. It's backwards. There's all sorts of, of, of things that I've done. I'm not a handy guy. I'm not. I admit that I wish I was. I marvel at these guys who can fix anything that goes wrong in their house. I will be calling you to come to my house to help out, right? I'm just not that handy of a guy. I try, but I'm not. And uh, there are a lot of times, a lot of times, that I get a tool out and I look at that thing and look at that thing and think, now, how does this work? <laughs> well, I just apply good old caveman mentality, hit it hard enough and it will work, right? Bam, everything's a hammer. <laughs> everything's a hammer. In Malawi, we used to, on, on job sites, whenever, I mean, I say a job site, but a building site, when we were building our churches, I'd, I'd, I'd love it because I'd, I'd buy hammers for these guys. And two or three days later, the hammers are busted. I mean, they're, they're just completely ruined. How do you ruin a hammer? I've had hammers now for 20 years. How do you ruin a hammer? Somehow the hammers get broken. And then, and then they say, ah, don't, don't worry, Brother Mike. We have a plan. I said, what's your plan? We use Malawian hammers. I said, what's a Malawian hammer? And they pick up a big rock. And they just start, this is a Malawian hammer. <laughs> There's all sorts of ways to make stuff work, right? We, we take something that is intended to work one way and because of our ignorance, we end up putting too much pressure or stress on a particular thing and then it breaks. And then we get angry at the thing because it broke. But in all honesty, it's our fault. We didn't know how to use it. I wonder how many times that is true of our bodies. God says, here you go, here's a body. Here's something that you can use to worship me and serve me. Because we're supposed to serve him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength coming from the body, right? So he says, here's a body. You can use this to serve me and fellowship and help other people and so forth. And then we don't take care of it properly. It starts to break down. And then we start to pray, God, please heal, please fix, please uh, make this better. And God says, okay. Uh, change your diet. No, 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 God, I'm asking for the miracle because I'm not going to change my diet. God says, uh, take a walk. Go outside, get some fresh air, get some exercise. I built you so that you would move every now and then. You're not meant to be sedentary, sitting right there all day. Get up and move and that will fix your problem. But isn't it strange? We, we get angry sometimes. God, why is my health? Now, listen, it's not always your fault, okay? Sometimes you're sick for other reasons. It's flu season, you ate bad chicken, uh, you were born with a problem. I think these things happen, right? Sometimes it's broken because of user error. I dare say you didn't read the instruction manual, right? And, and that's what we're aiming to do in, in, in this series is just to introduce you to some of the biblical basics about taking care of the body. So 1 Timothy 4 verse 7, but refuse profane and old wives' fables. You guys say, oh, throw stories. Paul says, stay away from those things. Now, I'm sure that everybody here knows some Ofro, and she has lots of stories. So you have your own Ofro stories that you want to stay away from. I do not know which one, which old wives' fables Paul is referring to here. There were plenty of them floating around in Paul's day as even with our day. But according to this context... There must have been something that the people were saying, especially near Ephesus where Timothy was. They were probably saying something about the physical body and if you take care of the physical body, it will somehow make you closer to God. 
There are, there are people that still emphasize it in that way, that think a healthy body means you have a healthy soul. And that's not the case, right? We can't equate those things. But that could have, it had to have something to do with that. Because in verse 8, or, or verse 7, if we can finish that, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. You see his use of the word exercise. So the, the old wives were talking something about bodily exercise. And he says, listen, spend some time exercising with godliness, right? Do some Bible curls, you know, and, and do some prayer push-ups and those type of things. Verse 8, for bodily exercise profiteth little. This is the only place in the Bible that Paul or anyone directly talks about bodily exercise. The only place. So, of course, we're going to take a moment to examine this. For bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, when he says it profits little, he's, he, he didn't, listen, he didn't command you to do a little bit of exercise. Okay, that's not what he's saying there. He is going to make a comparison between bodily exercise and spiritual exercise. And he says, in comparison, bodily exercise cannot do for you what exercising godliness can do for you. So he's just making a comparison. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. So exercising godliness will help you in this life and it will help you after this life is over. So it fought the, the benefits of exercising spiritually far outweigh bodily exercise and the benefits that come from that. Living a godly life can improve your health. Do you notice how Paul worded that? Godliness is profitable unto all things. Obviously, it's going to help your spiritual life and your walk with God, but it's also going to be beneficial to your health living a godly life now we're going to talk about that in another lesson but tonight we're talking about this bodily exercise this bodily exercise that profits a little the reason it profits little is because it can only help you in this life it cannot help you in eternity at all but it can at least help you now so it is something that you you want to learn about and know about now let me uh not a long scientific part here. I, this, I'm just giving you some things that I've read up on. I'm sure you, all of you have heard this before, but in case you haven't, here are some benefits of getting regular exercise. When I typed in on Google, because you know Dr. Google tells you lots of stuff. I, I asked Dr. Google, uh, benefits of exercise. And almost every search came back, benefits of regular exercise. I can't remember one website that said just exercise it always had that condition of getting regular exercise now that'll be important when we find some other verses later uh, here are 10 benefits number one it can make you feel happier and you guys have heard of serotonin endorphins dopamine and all of this stuff uh, I'm not going to try to endeavor to explain all that but I do know getting a good workout will make you feel happy smile a little bit amen it will so some of you are scared of exercise. Like, no, I don't like this very much. You might want to go take a walk and then come back and hear this lesson. You'll, you'll be in a much better mood. Uh, number two, it can help with weight loss. I think that's obvious. Number three, it's good for your muscles and bones. It can increase your energy levels. It can reduce the risk of chronic disease. Helps your skin, uh, the health of your skin. Brain health and memory. It can help with relaxation, sleep quality, how you manage stress. 
And I think the list could go on and on, but there are lots of benefits to your everyday life of getting regular exercise. Now, just so you know, exercise is any bodily exertion that is done to develop or maintain some sort of health. That can, that can be so many things, guys, so many things. Well, I'm not going to attempt to limit you to doing four or five different exercises. And, you know, the Bible says you have to do push-ups or you have to, do, you have to run. The Bible does command you to run, right? But in a spiritual way, <laughs> thank God, because some of us are not runners. But let's come to Genesis chapter 3. Let's look at another health benefit that comes from exercise. Genesis chapter 3. And verse number 19, Genesis 3, verse 19. Now, in the day and age in which we live, um, it doesn't happen so much in Africa or South Africa. I know how you guys use the term. In America, I know from working there for a little while, you can, in the middle of this type of hot weather, uh, right now this is upwards of in America this would be 98 degrees Fahrenheit I think it's 33 or 34 today Celsius which is lekkervarum right this is this is melt me down to nothing kind of weather and not my kind of weather right I got saved so I wouldn't have to deal with eternal heat <laughs> so this is not my kind of thing but in America even when it's this hot outside you can't we, we live in air-conditioned homes and then you get in an air-conditioned car and you drive to an air-conditioned office, and then when you go to the gym, there's air-conditioned there, and then you get back into the air-conditioned car, go to the air-conditioned home, you can pretty much avoid a lot of heat and, and a lot of sweat just by living your daily life. And, and it's strange. I don't know where, where you live and what your uh, day is like, what uh, your schedule demands of you. And this might be a strange question for a church service, but when's the last time you had a good sweat? I bet you've never heard that in church, have you? <laughs> now, maybe sometimes my preaching makes you nervous, or maybe it's really hot in the church, right? Uh, matter of fact, I didn't think of that. That fan should be pointing here, right? So this is a good sermon illustration, I guess. I, I'm, I'm, I'm following verse 19. But uh, there's something to be said for working up. No, it's okay, brother. No, I, don't put me under conviction right now. There's something to be said for working up a good sweat. Uh, so Genesis 3.19, God says to Adam, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. All right, so sweat. God said it's part of the plan now, Adam. Part of the plan is, is you're going to work outside, you're going to work under the sun, you're going to sweat. And that's how you're going to... Uh, earn the right to eat if a man doesn't work he shouldn't eat right so he gets a good sweat going but there's health benefits to that as well it detoxifies the body it lowers the risk of kidney stones if you've ever been blessed with one of those I'm sure you would like to avoid it again and sweating uh, will help that it prevents colds and other common illnesses uh, boost the immune system it promotes healthier skin especially acne it can clear that up just having a good sweat can do all of that. So, I, now, I, I, I say this, I'm not going to tell you how much you need to sweat. I, I, I don't know what other verses to show you about it. All I'm saying is that uh, it, this is sweat that comes from actual work, right? Not from sitting in a warm room. Although that can help, that, that's good too, but sweating while you work 
it actually, they have tested it and found that working up a sweat during exercise is part of that whole dopamine, serotonin, endorphin thing. It has to do with the body getting rid of toxins and then the mood enhancers come. All right, so take your Bible. Come to 2 Samuel chapter 2. I don't know if you recognized it, but in Genesis, when God created Adam, he made him the gardener. And he told him to keep the garden, right? He was outdoors. And then Adam, after the fall, God said, you're going to work that ground. He was a farmer. There's something I think that we should learn from that. And God, that is, God created us to be outside. Maybe not all day, every day, right? But there are, and I've read several books about it now, there are, every one of them unanimously say, when you want to exercise, go outside. Take a walk, get the fresh air. It does something for your health. So keep that in mind. There's a biblical premise for saying that, right? The sweat, the work, it was to be done in, uh, in the garden, in an outdoor setting. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 12. 2 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 12. When you read the Old Testament, there is hardly anything mentioned about exercise. Matter of fact, I can't think of one verse that directly talks about it. Uh, the one place you'll, you'll find something kind of linked to it is Genesis where God wrestles with, with Jacob. There's some MMA going on there. Uh, so that, that, had, that was a lecker workout, right? I mean, it popped his hip out of, out of shape. So that, that was a workout. And then this, this is about as close as you're going to come to exercise. 2 Samuel 2 and 12. And Abner the son of Ner, or Ner, and the servants of Ishbosheth the son of Saul went out from Mahanaim to Gibeon. And Joab the son of Zariah and the servants of David went out and met together by the pool of Gibeon. And they sat down, the one on the one side of the pool and the other on the other side of the pool. No, that's not a swimming pool, okay? That's a different kind. It's like what we would say is a pond or something. Verse 14, and Abner said to Joab, let the young men now arise and play before us. Joab said, let them arise. Now play, well, that sounds like, you know, going to play some games together. Uh, you know, throw the frisbee, uh, play tag, you know, touch rugby, something like that. Not these guys, they're, they're determined. Verse 15, then there arose and went over by number 12 of Benjamin, which pertained to Ishbosheth the son of Saul and twelve of the servants of David. And they caught every one his fellow by the head and thrust his sword in his fellow's side. So they fell down together. Wherefore the, that place was called Helkath Huzarim, which is in Gibeon. Fitting name, right? Just sounds like a place where you do something stupid like that. They grab each other by the hair and at the, simultaneously stick swords in each other. And then, I mean, this is stuff you find in you know, silent movies in Hollywood. Bing! They, they stab each other from hit the ground at the same time. Horrible scene. These are games to these guys. This is where the Olympics come from, right? This is fencing. <laughs> this is the old, in its original form, before the, the body armor, right? This is about as close as you'll come to Old Testament exercise. And even in this, you can see what kind of exercise, what kind of bodily exertion they had. There are two things that they did primarily in the Old Testament, farming and fighting, those two things. And either one of those can produce one heck of a workout, right? I'm fighting, now, not like this. Please, please don't try to copy this, right? Well, it's in the Bible, I'll get good health. You'll be dead. You won't have to worry about your health, so, so be mindful of that. Farming and fighting, now, 
The, the Olympics didn't come about until 776 B.C. It started in Greece, as you probably know. And the games that they had back then, very, I would say, primitive, right? We still do them now. Running, the javelin throw, hammer throw, discus, jumping, racing chariots, wrestling. But do you see how all of that ties into war? You can see how when nations stopped fighting, they still needed some exercise. So they're practicing their javelin throws. They're practicing these hammer throws. They're, they're practicing their wrestling techniques and racing chariots. And instead of fighting wars, it turned into Olympic games, which I have no problems with that, but you can just see how one thing turned into the other. Now, as far as exercise is concerned, I've done plenty of it in my life. I'm a fairly athletic guy. The most exercise I've ever had in a sport is, is MMA. If you guys are interested in being in just top-notch shape, I greatly recommend it. It's not for everybody. You can do the stuff where you don't get hit in the face, right? I, I prefer not to be pounded on like that. Um, doing jiu-jitsu and stuff like that, man, great workout, great workout. I thought I was in shape. I was the coach of the basketball team here at the university, and I run with the guys. I, here I am almost 40 at the time, and I could keep up with all the university guys. I'm running and outrunning a lot of them. So I'm in pretty decent shape. I head over to the gym with uh, Johan Gucha and his boys, and, and, uh, and they say, Pastor, come and try this MMA stuff. I say, yeah, no problem. You know, no, I'll show these guys. Yeah, no, no problem. So I, I get in and we warm up with calisthenics, you know, doing jumping jacks and then you do some burpees. Do we all know burpees? Yeah? If you don't know a burpee, you, oh, that you'll think you're in the Great Tribulation when you start doing burpees, right? You'll, you'll think the Antichrist is your coach. But you do these burpees and, and, uh, and, and just push-ups, sit-ups, things like that. We got done with about 30 minutes of that. By the end of the 30 minutes, I was tired. I'm, I'm bent over. <laughs> and then they say, okay, now it's time to start. Said, what? Start what? Start dying? What, what is it time to start what? That was the warm-up. said, good gravy, man. That was the whole workout for what I normally do. And then it was time to actually wrestle with people. I had nothing left. Nothing at all. So then we had, to do a, uh, we had to practice a technique where somebody's trying to sweep us and you have to step back and block it. Well, Johan's son, Emil, he does the cage fighting for real. I mean, he's been in the cage fights and he's very successful. He's very good. He's my partner. So him and I, I mean, I'm blocking everything, blocking everything, but I have nothing left. And, and we have to block for one minute. 60 seconds, that's it. So for 60 seconds, I try him, he blocks it. And then he tries against me and I block it. We get to the end of the 60 seconds. Well, now, I know, uh, the, the coach said, all right, we got five seconds left. I thought that meant we can take a break. <laughs> I thought that means calm down, don't try again. Emil didn't take it that way. So I didn't block the last one. So he said, whoop, he kicked my feet out from under me, wham, I went straight down to the mat, landed right on my back, <laughs> knocked the wind out of me, I had no breath left, have you ever had that happen? And then you try to talk and all you can do is go, <laughs> it's a wonderfully spiritual sound, right, <laughs> it's a, one of your better moments, and Emil, he, bless, bless his, his spiritual saved heart, he looks down on the mat, he says, pastor, you okay? <laughs> and he's laughing at me. I says, <laughs> yeah, 
I can't say anything. <laughs> oh, I want to say I think I'm dying, but, but it, I, I actually, it turned out pretty good because I laid there for about three minutes and get, caught my breath. That's, that is a great workout, doing that kind of stuff. Now listen, you find your own sport, do what you want. I'll tell you one thing, that now this is just me personally, what I found to be a better workout than even MMA, and that is working on a farm. Now, I, maybe your experience on farms are different, but I grew up every summer going to my grandpa, grandfather's farm. And man, the work we did there, we would re-roof a house, build a shed, haul hay all day, go out in the woods, cut down trees, you know, with an axe and a chainsaw. I mean, you want to feel like a man. I'm talking to you men in here. You want to feel like a man, get a chainsaw. Just somehow, I'm a man, I'm a man, I'm a man. I'm a man, I'm a man. That is just great stuff, right? <laughs> you learn all kinds of things in church. We cut down trees. We, we chase pigs. We chase sheep because, you know, certain times of the year you have to do certain injections and all sorts of uh, fun things that the pigs and the sheep don't enjoy. And chickens, we had to chase the chickens. My grandfather, one day, he was going to sell, a, sell a, uh, a set of roosters, I think, to someone else. And he, he had them in a pen, had a little top on the box uh, to keep them in the pen. Well, me being a, a young teenager, I think it was 13, 14, I, I wanted to just see what the chickens looked like up close. So I got up close and I lifted the lid. Man, I didn't know a chicken could slip out of a crack that big. That chicken was straight out, starts running around the yard. Man, I start chasing that chicken all around the yard. That is such a futile endeavor. Why did I do that? I'm running after that chicken. <gasps> and I didn't realize it. My, my grandfather's dog was watching the whole thing. And that dog is a well-trained dog. And it knows if I'm chasing something, it needs to be caught. So then Towser, the, the dog, he jumps into the action, catches that, that chicken, that rooster, whatever it was, grabs it by the... And I thought, oh, Grandpa was going to sell that. Oh, dear. I am panicking. I'm freaking out. And I run in the house and, and I run in the back door of my grandmother's sitting there, or she's standing there washing the dishes, laughing her head off because she had been watching the whole thing from the back window. She saw me running back and forth. She saw the dog get it, and she knew what happened. I said, Grandma, I'm so sorry. She said, oh, it's all right, it's all right. Here, let me show you what we do with dead chickens. I said, okay. She took a cleaver, and she came outside and had a stump, you know. She held that chicken down, and uh, the chicken was dead. Dead, I tell you, dead. Like three days buried dead. She took that cleaver, whack! That chicken, that headless chicken jumped up, starts running around again, and the dog, the dog went and got it again. Man, I'd heard of running like a chicken with your head cut off, but I'd never seen it until that day. Scared me something silly. And, and I tell you, it does something for your mentality when you look over at your grandmother and she has a bloody meat cleaver in her hand going, now that's how you do it, right? That's, <laughs> wow. But being on the farm, that was all sorts of fun, all sorts of exercise. We would haul hay from the time the sun came up until the time the sun went down. You worked as long as there was light. I remember one day we used to get a nickel a bale, five cents, five American cents for every bale of hay that you would throw. Now we'd go out into the field, every bale of hay weighed about 20 to 30 kgs. You'd pick it up and as the trailer 
pulled by, the tractor's pulling the trailer, you'd throw it on there. But now you'd stack it five high. So by the time you get to the fifth, but you've got to get that thing just right on your knee, throw that thing up in the air, put it up, and then somebody's on the trailer stacking it up nice. So you do two, two stacks of five, and then you put one on top just to hold the thing together. You pull the thing up to the barn, then you got to throw the hay into the barn. So for every bale of hay that made it to the barn, you get a nickel. That's what my grandpa paid me. And then his neighbor down the road came and said, I'll give you a dime a bale. That's double the money. Said, man, I'm making money now. As soon as the sun was up, I was in that man's field. I worked all day. I had one of my school friends with me, Ryan Lutton. Him and I were working hard. Man, we worked 12 hours that day. And by the end of that day, him and I were talking the whole day what we were going to do with all this money. Because we threw, we threw probably a thousand bale of hay that day. That was a good amount of money, especially for us at that time. Me and Lutton, we're making all these plans. We're going to go to town. We're going to buy this. We're going to go here. At the end of that day, we had all these plans. We went home, took a bath, and went to bed. <laughs> we were so tired. But I'll never forget. Now, this is, I'm so sorry. I would never tell this story other than this context. I remember getting ready to take a shower, and I looked at the mirror, and I said, What happened? It was the first time I'd ever seen my abs. <laughs> I'd been working to get, you know how guys work so hard to get ab muscles and you can see your abs? I'd never seen them until that day. That's how you get in good shape. Go to the farm and throw hay around. And by the end of that day, we were so tired from working hard, we didn't have energy to sin. Because that's what we were planning on doing. We couldn't do it because we worked so hard. Now see, exercise doesn't have to be something that you sign up at Virgin Active to do. You can do it in your daily routine. You can work it in there somehow. Somehow you can make that happen. Uh, take your Bible, come to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. See, tonight with that music that we got going, you can hear it in the background. I'm going to be up dancing all night. Great. No, I'm kidding, guys. I'm kidding. You guys are lo you're looking at me weird. <laughs> that, that's good exercise, too, but I don't think I'm going to do that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 24. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. All right. Here's one of the other few times that we read anything uh, remotely connected to exercise or sports. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Now everybody here knows that Paul is using athletics as, a, as an analogy, right? It's an illustration of the spiritual race that we're all supposed to run. You get that, yeah? So as we learn some things about the physical, please don't forget the spiritual lessons that are involved here. Verse 25 and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. There's some old English in that. Let me update that English just a little bit. Every man that striveth, he's trying really hard. All right, that's striving. He's trying really hard. Every man that's trying really hard for the mastery, he's trying really hard to win. All right, he is temperate in all things. To be temperate is to be disciplined. He has self-control. He's, he's moderate in his lifestyle and behavior and so forth. So you see the point that Paul's making. He's comparing Christians to athletes. 
And he's saying just like the athletes work out, they watch their diet, they stay consistent with their exercise, they do that to rise to the top of their field. Likewise, we should put in the daily time and effort into our spiritual life so that we rise to the top of our field, so that we achieve the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So that's his point here. He says in verse 25, Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. So Paul's saying, I, I know in the Christian life what my purpose is. I know what I'm trying to accomplish. It's not as if I'm doing, I'm going through all the spiritual motions for no reason. There's a reason I read my Bible every day. Do you know why you read your Bible every day? Do you know why you pray every day? Do you know why you need to come to church every week? Do you know why you need to witness, why you need to worship God, why you need to sing every day? Amen. Boy, I got quiet on that. Did you know those are all spiritual exercises that you are to daily partake of? Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him take up his cross daily, right? Deny himself daily and follow me. So these things are supposed to be done day by day. Now Paul, of course, he's making a spiritual point, but there's something physically we can learn from this. He talks about boxing. He talks about running, uh, talking about that race. I mentioned in the Old Testament there's wrestling there. There, there. You don't read anything about sports until you get to the New Testament. Paul refers to them here in just, you know, kind of in passing with this illustration. I don't know what kind of sports you like to do, but I, I know this. They're really good for your body. Uh, just to be active and exercising, but it's really good fellowship as well. I kind of miss that. We used to do a lot more of that here at the church. And God help us. We got this beautiful field right out here. We, we should be doing more of it. You guys remember playing Frisbee together, Ultimate Frisbee? That was outstanding fun. We ought to resurrect that. Uh, we tried to do some volleyball together, and that didn't work out so, so great. But, uh, man, I, I'd like to get that going again. We, we tried the, uh, we did touch rugby once or twice, but uh, it never stays touch. Never. It turns into tackle almost every time. Uh, we played cricket during the last church picnic we had. Uh, that was interesting. I wouldn't mind trying that again as long as I'm either batting or bowling. If, it's, if I'm not, not on one of those positions, I don't want to play. Because <laughs> otherwise, you're standing, you're not getting exercise, right? You're, that's just not fun. So I need to, I need to have the action. But uh, it was outstanding. I, I saw Mr. Bond and Umiza. These guys out there playing cricket, I mean, these guys are in their late 30s now, and they were out there, early 40s maybe, and they were diving after, after balls. That, Mr. Bond scared me something fierce because somebody hit a pop fly and he goes doot, 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 running after it and, and he goes out and catches and dives and rolls on the ground. I'm like, good grief, I wouldn't even try that. Here he's doing that. That's outstanding to see. Now, it's good fellowship. It's good fellowship. It's also good for your body. Dr. Ruckman used to tell us in class, uh, he was my Bible school instructor, he said, now guys, you've been sitting here in this classroom all week. Because we went to school from 6 to 10 o'clock at night, every night, uh, Monday to Thursday. We work all day, school all night. He said, on Friday, I want you in the gym. And there, Dr. Ruckman's church has a gymnasium next to it so, uh, that, that they built and owned. So he says, get in that gym and do something. 
Otherwise, you're going to turn into hard-boiled eggs with eyeballs. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to how preachers go, but usually when they get into the ministry, they're nice and thin, and then as the years go on, they expand, right? Their ministry is expanding. <laughs> I've heard some of them say, you know, they're the gospel blimp. They just flow by. That's, that's not a compliment. That's a sad thing. Just, just yesterday, Brother Mike Dobbin sent me a picture of the preacher that led me and Christina to Christ. And it was wonderful to get to see this man again, but <laughs> I sent a, a message back to Brother Dobbins. I said, this is the preacher that ate Brother Freddie. <laughs> because, man, he... When I knew Freddie, he was thin, kind of like me. And now, boom, I mean, he's way out there. He's got that Dunlap disease. You guys have heard that. You know, your belly Dunlapped over your, your belt. It's that Dunlap disease. Dunlapped over. He has Dunlap disease. It's, it's bad. Scary. Now, guys, listen, that's not a good testimony, is it? Look at verse 27. Look at what Paul said. But I keep under my body. Now, is he meaning this in the spiritual sense? Sure, he's not going to let his flesh fulfill all of its appetites. But he says, I keep under my body, I keep it under control and bring it into subjection lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now guys, I mean, it's wrong. It's wrong to indulge in anything, to, to, to go beyond moderation, right? We looked at that last week. That's the biblical principle for eating for your diet is do it moderately. You found the honey, fine, but eat so much as is sufficient. Don't get full of that. Don't get stuffed with it. That's what Paul's saying here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell my body what to do. I'm not going to let my body tell me what to do. Do you always feel like exercising? No, you do have to at some certain times say, I'm going to do it because I need to do it even though I don't feel like doing it. Right? Do you see how this principle could spill over into your spiritual life? Doing things you don't feel like doing, but you, you do it anyway because it needs to be done. That's just a good principle for life, physical or spiritual. Paul says, I keep under my body. Um, I think I have it here. Yeah. There's something I, I want to point out to you in verse 25. That word temperate, I mentioned that it means discipline or self-control. And when it comes to exercise, now even exercise can go too far. You can get too much of it. You can push your body too far. And, and again, you need to be aware of your limits and uh, what your body needs. You do need to listen to your body. When you feel pain, God made our human bodies so that when we feel pain, we know to stop. So don't just push through the pain. You don't say, no pain, no gain. Don't be stupid with that, <laughs> right? There, I get it. I get it. You're going to have to work hard, but don't hurt yourself while you do it. Now, part of temperance, part of self-control and discipline is doing something consistently. And when it comes to exercise, I found some articles on it. This is one of many. Let me just read you just a couple little uh, short quotes here. The consequences of quitting exercise may be greater than previously thought. So that is you exercise for a while and then you stop and then you back to it and then you stop. He said the price to pay for quitting exercise is higher than expected and this price may be an important factor in the obesity epidemic affecting Americans. 
The study that they did should prompt people to think twice before taking a break from their exercise regimens, less or uh, despite rather the pressures of family and work obligations or waning motivations. So he goes on to explain how it can actually cause you to gain more weight and affect your health because your body doesn't know what to expect. All, it's getting this shock treatment all the time. It's not good for it. So he goes on to explain why that's important to stay regular with that, to stay consistent. Guys, isn't that important in your spiritual life as well? Do, have you ever noticed how we kind of, we, we go through these little phases. We get all excited about, man, I'm going to go to church and read the Bible. I'm going to Bible school. We get people, man, come February, March, people sign up for Bible school, and by April, oh, we're down to about half of what we started with. And then we try to start again, and then we fade out. And then we just go through these phases. That's dangerous for your spiritual life. Let me tell you why. You have cold. You have seasons of cold. Then you have seasons of hot. Cold, hot, cold, hot. What happens when you put cold and hot together? You become lukewarm. You become lukewarm. And that's the danger of it. This on again, off again behavior within the spiritual life. Guys, it's also true physically. It's, it's not going to help if you're watching the diet and watching the exercise just here and there. You need temperance. You need discipline. It needs to be done in moderation. Not too much, not too little. Right? Um, I've heard this ever since I got here to South Africa that if something is done in America then it takes five or ten years and it will end up in South Africa is that true is that generally true right it, it, it starts off over there and then it trickles its way over here America has a massive problem with obesity right now massive problem so much so that they are changing airplanes they, they are taking the seats out of airplanes and they have to put bigger seats in airplanes that fly domestic in America because Americans are growing getting bigger and bigger now if we got a problem with obesity over there in five or ten years you're all gonna be fat <laughs> it's it's going to find its way over here and I don't know if it just magically just puffs us all up or what happens but but if it's a trend there no doubt it can become a trend here and you see this more and more with especially the advent of desk jobs. You know, listen, nothing wrong with a desk job, but just be aware that if you have to sit at the desk eight to ten hours a day, you got to make sure you put some time for exercise in the day as well. Make sure it's in there. Get up from the desk, take a walk, walk around the block, walk around in your yard, do something outside, but make sure you balance that out. Now, for years, um, as I've mentioned, I was a basketball coach. I coached here. I also coached in Malawi. And I know, I know a little bit about training for sporting events. Practice is all about repetition, isn't it? And if you want to get good at something, if you want to practice it, you, you, you take that skill that you're trying to hone and you do it over and over and over again. My guys, when they come to the gym, they, they see me shooting the basketball. And I, I, can, I can stand, I can do it one-handed now. One hand behind my back, literally. And that's how I teach them to do it. And they say, Coach, man, my goodness, you make shot after shot after shot. Isn't it, Caleb? Just shot after shot. And they say, how do you do this? I say, I'm just amazing. No, no, I know. <laughs> I say, guys, it took a lot of work. And then I stand them. I, I said, come with me, I'll show you how to do it. They think it's this massive elaborate plan. You know, there's some certain trick. 
just mental thing. It's, it's not that at all. Here's the hoop. You stand right next to the hoop, ball in hand. And in basketball, we have a thing called beef. I know you guys would like that, right? Beef. You make you want to play basketball. Beef is balance. First, you've got to get good balance. You get your feet set right. Good balance. That's the B. And then B-E-E, sorry. <laughs> e and E is eyes and elbow. Eyes and elbow. So I get balance, and then I get my elbow, and I get my eyes fixed on the target. So elbow 90 degrees, eyes on the target, and then the F is follow through or finish. So balance, eyes, elbow, finish. I said, now you stand right next to the basket, one inch away, sorry, two centimeters away, and you throw the, ba- you throw the ball over the, over the rim, don't let it touch the rim, just the net. And once you can do that 10 times in a row without touching the rim, take one step back and do it again, 10 times. And then take one step back and 10 times. I said, now after about three or four years, you'll hardly ever miss a shot. Do you know how many of those guys did uh, take my advice and do that? Not one. I show up at the gym, and you know what they're doing? They're all, they, they got the ball. They're out there doing all these fancy moves and putting it between their legs. Ooh, watch this, watch this. Ooh, ooh. And they take these weird, ugly, horrible shots, and it doesn't come anywhere close to going into the, into the basket. You know why? They want, they want to do all this fancy, fun stuff, but they never want to do the basic, necessary, everyday practice, repetition things so that you can get good at something. When it comes to your health, moderation, temperance. When it comes to exercise, that's the word that we focus in on. Temperance, discipline. You want to get good at it? You want your health to get good? You want it to be better? You want it to profit a little bit now? Do it regularly. I don't care which exercise you do. I don't care which sport you do. But whatever it is, make sure you stick with it. Stick with it. Now, before we close the lesson, I'm going to remind you of what we saw in 1 Timothy 4. Can I ask you to come back to that? Because I want to end this on a spiritual note. 1 Timothy 4, now we saw this verse earlier, but let me just remind you in verse 7 and 8, he says at the end of verse 7, exercise thyself rather unto godliness. And then in verse 8, bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Guys, I I want to encourage you to get some exercise. It'll make you feel better, put you in a better mood, hopefully improve the quality of your life, but when it comes to the emphasis, right, make sure that you're not only getting bodily exercise. Everything I just told you about taking the advice of your coach, even though it doesn't sound fun and it sounds real boring and real difficult, and how could just beef every day, just beef, more beef, right? Every day, same, same. Oh, my goodness, this is getting so dry but if you'll just stick with it you'll be surprised how much progress you can make but you've got to take the advice of your coach pastor on these spiritual exercises and stay faithful with it stay faithful with it and I promise you you won't be disappointed in this life or in eternity all right let's all stand if you would please let's all stand all right, instead of an invitation tonight, we're going to do jumping jacks. Okay, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, everybody spread out. 
Fingertips, fingertips. Okay, here we go. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> now we're all praising God here. That's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do praise jumps. That will, <laughs> we'll put the hands up like that. Amen, amen. All right, let's have a word of prayer. I don't think uh, we, we don't have to break anything down tonight. We can just pull the tables in. All right, so let's have a word of prayer, and we'll let you guys head to the house. Father, thank you this evening for allowing us to look at these things. Lord, reminding us of... Uh, some healthy ideas, some things we need to do for this body. Lord, it's your body. You purchased it. So Lord, help us to take care of it properly, to make the most of it, and not to abuse the, uh, the health that we could have, Lord, but to do all we can to support it and glorify you with it. Father, would you please get everybody home safe? I know many of these folks will be traveling uh, during this week or, or soon. Would you please keep your hand on them and on all of our folks that are moving about uh, in or out of this country, would you please keep them safe and bring them back to us safely. And we ask all this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.